Hmm. You ask about Jim, huh? James Rayner was the most decent man I ever encountered during the fall of the Confederacy. Everyone else, I can safely say, was either a victim or a villain. Quite often both. At first glance, Rayner seems like one of them backwoods cowboys. One of them good old boys swapping lies about the days gone by. There's a cocksureness, of course, and overconfidence about him that makes you bridle initially. Yet over time, you come to see him as a valuable ally. Dare I say it, a friend. It all comes down from belief. Jim Rayner believed in himself. He believed in those around him. And from that strength came the strength that allowed him and those who followed him to survive everything else the universe threw at him. Jim Rayner was a most decent and honorable man. I suppose that's why his is the greatest tragedy in this godforsaken war. In the Caprulu sector, on a small planet known as Shiloh, the blended atmosphere of frigid cold and scorching heat forced most of its inhabitants' homes to be buried mostly in the ground. Somewhere in the middle of these hot and cold places is where the majority of its inhabitants lied. In the outskirts of the rural areas, what little there were, there was a small farm, and on it, an anxious, ornery lad named James. James Eugene Rayner, or Jim for short. Born in 2470, Jim, unlike his future counterpart Kerrigan, had the plainest childhood a young farm boy could have had. He grew up learning outdoor skills like hunting, fishing, and shooting from his grandfather. And for the first 18 years of his life, he worked with the family farm, being instilled with the values and morals that play such a vital part in his story. But it wasn't all just hard work and play. Jim's father knew the world was a rough place and taught Jim how to fight and what was worth fighting for. He was taught to stand up for himself and for those who couldn't do it for themselves. Jim grew up knowing where to draw the line and when it was appropriate to take a stand. In 2488, Jim was 18, the Terran Confederacy had been embroiled in the Guild Wars for three years. Resources were rationed, taxes were rising, and the military began to aggressively recruit young folk, including Jim and his friends. One day, while waiting to fuel up his truck, a fellow demolition player cut Jim off. Out of rage, Jim fired back and beat the snot out of this guy. Seeing what had taken place, the gunnery sergeant convinced Jim that the Confederate Marine Corps could use an able-bodied man who wasn't afraid to defend himself. And Jim didn't disagree. After he returned home and fought with his parents, they reluctantly agreed to support him 
and saw him off to enlistment and affirmation in Centerville. Expecting excitement at the idea of leaving his childhood planet behind, he was only filled with fear, something Jim wasn't used to. And it wasn't long before the troubles of being a Marine hit him. He was hazed fast. In his previous fights he got himself into lent way to wanting people to take aim at Jim when they needed an outlet. Jim got into a lot of fights, but he could hold his own, and this ultimately earned him a small corner in the market of respect. Being transported to Taraxis Prime for training, Rayner was made a recruit sergeant and led the first squad of the 2nd Platoon, D Company. Old enemies became new friends during this time as leadership, and between bar brawls, Grand Theft Auto, and drunken joy rides, Rayner earned the respect and loyalty of all around him. After graduation, Rayner and his friends and numerous others were taken to Fort Howe. Seeing the adverse effects war was having on the planet's population, and while he gave away his rations to starving children, he knew it wasn't enough and knew that his home planet, Shiloh, could meet the same fate. There wasn't much time for reflection here, though. Jim Rayner was tested in battle immediately, and they were assaulted by the Kelmorians. Rayner assumed command of his marines under the designation of Zulu-23 and successfully stoved off the attack, but not without costing the lives of some of his squad and a close friend. Still while at Fort Howe, Rayner was promoted to Lance Corporal for demonstrating effective leadership even in stressful situations, but sometimes war is preferred over the toughest of social interactions. In his time at Fort Howe, Rayner was introduced to an imprisoned and demoted Marine, a large unfriendly soldier named Tychus Findlay. The two did not get along, and in more than one situation, Rayner and Tychus found themselves on opposite sides of the metaphorical boxing ring. Tychus, being a big guy with a knack for fighting, earned the attention of Jim's superiors, much to Jim's dismay. At odds with each other, Jim and Tychus constantly attempted to outsmart the other but after a successful truck heist, Jim and Tychus found themselves at a bar, drinking and exchanging life philosophies, lending each of them to the belief that no man was bigger than his own battles, and that battle is easier fought alongside other people. Out of that fire, a friendship was formed. Not long after that, the Colonel of the Confederates organized an attack on the Kelmorian base where hundreds of prisoners of war were being held. The plan was to have Rayner infiltrate the camp and organize the prisoners of war, as he would disguise himself as a captured Kelmorian hellhound pilot and memorize as much information as he could about this individual in order to legitimize his false identity. Underestimating the Kelmorian overseer, Jim Rayner was immediately recognized to be a fraud, and he was imprisoned and interrogated. Eventually. Rayner was tied to posts outside in front of the other prisoners where the Thunderstrike-equipped platoon landed and freed Rayner and the prisoners of war. The Kelmorians fought back and chased off the rescue dropships, but Rayner was unshaken. He quickly grabbed a vulture and led a convoy of remaining prisoners out of the camp and away to be rescued. Snakehead Commando attacked, and after a small battle, they were able to stave off the vehicle-mounted infantry unit with the help of the Confederate reinforcement. A great victory, but at the cost of half of Jim's platoon. This was the battle that earned Jim and his remaining platoon the title of Heaven's Devils and the tattoos that commemorate that bittersweet day. Later, 
During an attack on a resource outpost in Taraxis II, the Heaven's Devils, led by Lieutenant Samantha Sanchez, followed a large number of neurally resocialized troops led by Sergeant Rockwell. The attack went south, and a large number of troops were killed off. Sanchez was killed by an enemy spider, and a bullet barely grazed by Jim as well, while attempting to draw fire. Once the depot had been taken, Rockwell sent the Marines out to confront the Kelmorian forces, which led to their death. Jim, disagreeing with the actions that were taken, criticized this call and spoke up on the Marines' behalf. Rockwell and Jim got in each other's faces and Rockwell called the Marines useless, as they were all dead. Jim broke his nose, knocking him out, and took control, and led the rest of the taking of the depot and successfully evacuated the remaining troops. Because of his actions, however, Rayner was arrested and demoted to private and spent one month in jail for assaulting Rockwell. Rayner and Tychus, after this, abandoned the military, and the duo was charged with manslaughter in absentia. Tychus and Rayner stuck together after that. Over the years, the pair familiarized themselves with various ships and vehicles, often raiding shipyards to ditch their current ships for new ones. And it was during this period that Rayner learned of his father's death. In the year 2489, the pair established themselves on New Sydney and resided there for the next five years. Based in the Badlands, the two developed a routine of seizing Confederate credits, spending them, and beginning the cycle all over. A great deal of this spending was carried out at Wicked Wayne's. Said spending mainly revolved around women and booze and becoming mutually acquainted with the staff in the process. This worked to their advantage as well, because when the marshals started to hunt them down in 2492, the staff never ratted them out. The pair had many encounters with the marshal over the years, but always managed to slip away. They kept a moral code during this time, never harming bystanders and usually disabling guards rather than killing them. During this period, Rayner always sent some of his loot to his mother on Shiloh. However, according to a message sent by an old family friend, Miles Hammond, Carol wasn't accepting the money. He also urged Rayner to return to his homeworld to discuss certain matters. Not sure what to make of it, Rayner refused, ordering Hammond to ensure that his mother took the money. Rayner and Tychus made quite the name for themselves in the bounty hunting business. Various crime lords and law officials attempted to bring them down, but due to their moral compasses and the assistance they lended to businesses and normal folk, no one would ever rat them out, and they remained successfully out of sight and harm. Doing work for the Screaming Skulls, posing as junk dealers, and a drunken display of nudity by Tychus kept the dynamic duo going strong, and no matter what they dealt with, they did it together. But it wasn't always easy. Many people Jim had known over the years had died, and although Jim and Tychus never hurt anyone directly unless absolutely necessary, jobs they took didn't have good implications. Drug running, torture, stealing, they all seemed harmless on the surface, but Jim knew it would cause problems for others, and that didn't sit well with him. Through a middleman, Rayner managed to receive a message from Hammond, who revealed that his mother was dying with only a few weeks to live. After some soul-searching, Rayner resolved to head back to Shiloh. Findlay was against it. They had been given a job, and he was tired of Rayner complaining about the moral lines that they could never cross. The two men almost came to blows, 
but Tychus eventually relented, seeing how important heading to Shiloh was to his friend. He agreed to drop him off there to settle his affairs. Raina returned to Shiloh and met up with Hammond, where he learned of the dire straits of his parents, his homeworld, and Hammond's intent to move to Mar Sarah. He then reunited with his mother, who had contracted cancer from shipping materials that had been used to store old Confederate rations as part of the Confederacy half-hearted efforts to help its people recover from the Guild Wars. She then showed him a recording his father had made for him on his deathbed, whose words explained why the Rainers had never accepted their son's money, along with their shame at the path he had chosen. Rainer was filled with shame and stayed with his mother until she died, which unfortunately wasn't long after. Afterwards, Rainer said his farewells to Hammond, who promised to take care of Carol's affairs and reminded Rainer that he'd be welcome on Mar Sarah. Afterwards, as he returned to orbit with Findlay, Rainer reflected on all that had transpired and how the life he'd led over the past five years had lost its appeal even further. Struggling over the words that his father had left for him, Jim reluctantly followed Tychus onto more jobs. During a heist against the Covington Bank, with the bank at gunpoint standing in the vault, Jim found out that the money that he was attempting to steal was meant as aid money intended to be given to the Farmer's Aid charity work. But that wasn't the real shock. The horror came when Jim realized that his friend for many years, Tychus, almost as a brother at this point, knew all along. Jim, horrified, declared his termination from employment with O'Bannon. There was a shootout, but Tychus and Jim barely escaped, but not without Jim suffering a gunshot wound in the process. After cleaning up some mistakes and loose ends from his past, Rainer, with his father's final words resting in his head, finally took Hammond's offer and returned to Marsera, where he met Liddy. Liddy, a beautiful blue-eyed, brown-haired babe, married him soon after and they settled down as a couple, and it wasn't long at all before Liddy was pregnant with their son, Johnny. Hammond offered Jim a spot as a marshal, which he took and erased his army record. Jim's son, John, was born later, it was considered gifted with psychic powers by the Tarsanus Institute of Health and Research, and in 2498 requested the Rainers hand over their son. Jim didn't like the idea, but Liddy believed Jim's distrust of the Confederacy was unwarranted. Maybe they could help her son. Maybe they could help him use his abilities. But as the months passed, they received a letter from the Institute saying that Johnny had been killed in a shuttle accident. Liddy blaming herself, ended up dying of grief. Jim Rayner, the man who had no limits, the man who had no qualms about doing what was right, not just for himself, but for everyone, buried himself in his work to escape his losses. 29 years of age, lost, hopeless, with a best friend who betrayed him, a wife who died alone, and parents who refused to accept him. Jim was left alone to ponder his father's last words to him. The words he remembers to this day. The words that helped shape him into a hero that the galaxy needed.
I love you, Jim. You're my son. And I always will love you. I used to think I could also say, I'll always be proud of you. But I can't honestly say that anymore. You're walking down a dark path, Jim. A path I never could have foreseen for you. And one I simply cannot respect. We love you. But we can't take your money. That's blood money, son. And that's not how you were raised. Do you remember what I used to tell you, son? A man is what he chooses to be. It's not how he's born or how he's raised that makes the man. It's his choices. Right now, you're choosing to walk down a dark path I can't condone. But a man can turn his life around with a single thought, a single decision. You can always choose to be something new. Never forget that, son. I love you.